Hello, everybody, and welcome to the third episode of the Hello Game Day podcast. We've got a massive one today. We are up and about. We've got Zach Merritt joining us for an interview today. Guys, remember, wherever you are watching this or listening to this, please don't forget to subscribe because we're going to be having new episodes with a new guest every week. So get around us, subscribe, head to our website, www.hellogameday.co, and join our mailing list there. Onto it now. We have got a big one. We have got a massive best on from Ponchi. I don't know what it is, but he's going to he's gonna unleash yeah, it on me. Yeah, it's good. It's good. <laughs> and I've finally got my own segment, which I'm pumped about. And we'll be, we'll be letting yeah, we'll you guys get to know. That. But first of all, we have got EJ up in this bitch. Up in this bitch. <laughs> and we love him. He's our producer, Ethan. And he is a rooster. And EJ's kits will be on this program every week. And this week, yes. he's got a special... It's a big week for EJ's kits because there is serious changes happening. So, EJ, talk us through your kit real quick. I want it, He's G'd up from the feet up. I yeah. want it head to toe. Upon. Here we go. The Fat Doc Martens. The fat Doc Martens. <laughs> Thick boy cargo pants. Thick boy cargo pants. Sick, mad, rip curl, bomber jacket. Sick, mad, rip curl, bomber jacket. And... <laughs> And a shaved head and the, the fingerless gloves. Fingerless gloves. The, but the mittens. The shaved head is massive yeah. because he's been rocking the Tiger King uh, haircut for the past few weeks. But this week he's gone shaved head and we love it. Yeah. So EJ, we're going to be posting that to our Instagram every week. What EJ's kit is with a little assessment of what the great boys get up is. Which so. we love. Now, without further ado, oh. you knew it was coming. <laughs> I'm slamming it down with authority this week. <laughs> Moosey. Okay. Yellow Hit flag. Between the eyes. Come now... On. It's a bit of a part two of last week's series, so you know where this is going. But for everyone else who's listening, and I'm getting excited, I like to paint a picture of the moose each week. Now, <laughs> this is a photo, which once again, we'll go to Instagram, um, just to describe or give you a visual of what he was like back in his heydays. So we've got this bad boy, <laughs> and he did not want it to go up. It's going up to the airways. <laughs> So, you are something else. Uh, so, I'll get off the screen so it doesn't distract you. <laughs> so, what we've got now. Um, Moosey. Back in these rebellious years. <laughs> keep it together. <laughs> back in these rebellious years. Um, you have... Uh, you've gone out for a feed with your mates. Uh, around about 15 years old. And you've all racked up a pretty significant bill at this restaurant. And... Naturally, as a rat bag you were back in the day, you wanted to make the great escape. Now, from what I've heard, is everyone has made it outside the back of the shop and made it over the fence. But reports were you were too fat to get over the fence. <laughs> and you got caught. Now, please give me your turn of events. Okay, yeah. It's that, there's so much mail on that story. Oh! I can't even begin to tell you how much mail on So, my mates and I... Uh, we go out to Puckle Street and Mooney Ponds for a breakfast. Yep. I did not want to do a runner. Okay. I wanted to pay, but my mates both wanted to do a runner. I promise you, mum, I swear to God, <laughs> I didn't want to do the runner. Anyways, we get there. We've, we've eaten our food. One of my mates says, oh, I'm going to go buy some cigarettes. And I was like, okay, yeah, cool. And then the other mate gets a phone call and walks off. They, well, mates, quotation marks, you know who you are. Yeah, that's why we're not mates anymore. <laughs> but anyways, 
we rack up this bill, they leave and then they give me a phone call saying, oh, just run, just run. And I'm like, no boys, have you seen the size of me? (laughs) (laughs) But anyways, I'm stewing on this for 15 minutes because they are not coming back. So I'm just sitting there. You'd be sweaty. Packing my DAX for 15 minutes until eventually I work up the balls. I'm like, I don't have my card on me. I can't pay for this. I don't have the money to pay for everyone's bill. So I get up and I, what I think is a sprint, but it's more of like a, a fast waddle down Puckle Street. And I'm sprinting. I mean, I'm a big boy sprint down Puckle Street. And, but as soon as I go, they had been watching me. So they just knew that I was going to do a run up. Yeah. My mates were gone. There was nothing to it. So I'm running. I turn down an alleyway. Uh, I run. I jump over a fence into somebody's backyard. And as I jump the fence, I just sprain my ankle. Mind you, when I got out of the restaurant, I see this little Chinese man absolutely at full sprint with a freaking spatula in his hand <laughs> chasing me with the down Puckle Street. <laughs> I jumped the fence, sprained my ankle, and I'm like, oh, I'm cooked. And I'm mind done. you, you're going over that fence with an extra 20 kegs that you've got Man, right now. I don't now. know how I got over, but I did. <laughs> yeah. Sprained my ankle. This bloke just grabs me by the collar, this five foot nothing Asian <laughs> man, and uh, holds me there until the police come. And surely the- a, a spank with a spatula. Oh, there might have been one. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyways, the, the plot thickens because I get, to the, I get put in the back of the Divi van. Mind you, this is two weeks after my previous offense that we talked about last episode. I'm not even oh, joking. You're this is kidding. two weeks after. I didn't so realize. So I yeah. have just gotten out of the doghouse with mum. <laughs> I'm still there, but I've just gotten out of the doghouse with mum. And I hear her come into the police station like rolling thunder. <laughs> oh. I'm in the interview room and this is like concrete walls. This is a four by four interview room. I've been in there for five hours. They just let me stew on it. And I hear yeah. her come in like rolling thunder. And just by chance, there's a photo of my mate Jack Hargraves on the computer screen of the police officer just outside the office. And um, I hadn't told them. I hadn't snitched on the other boys because they didn't get caught. Holding tight. This guy wasn't even involved, but just by chance, there's a photo of him on the computer. She runs in. She looks at the computer and she goes, that's Jack Hargraves. (laughs) (laughs) You've been sweating for five hours in the interview room. And within two seconds, Rachie's burst down the door and ruined the whole operation. And they just go to her. We know. <laughs> That's why we've got his photo up. That's how we know. And yeah, so, so Rachie comes in like rolling thunder. Yeah. She drags me out of there by the ear. Little do I know, on the way out, she has told them on the way in, when we leave, I want you to scare the shit out of him. So we no get to way. the front desk and she goes, and the lady there goes, yep, so that's your second offence. And uh, next time you will be admitted to juvenile hall and be, be able to do a sentence. So I thought... In my head, I'm like, I'm cooked. I'm next. Th- I'm going to juvie next time. Far so I out. thought I was going to juvie. Mate, that would scare the shit out of me. I, I, oh my God. And then, final thing. <laughs> Rachie marches me down to Puckle Street the next day and takes me to the restaurant that oh. I did the runner from, makes me pay for everything, gets all the staff members and makes me do a speech to them all, <laughs> apologizing <laughs> for ruining their livelihood. Oh, <laughs> Surely, surely. Now, I'm going to get more stories, but surely this is the turning point from the rebellious stage of Moose. So, <laughs> Unfortunately not. I, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do some more digging. So that was my yellow flag for the week. Now, and uh, just before uh, we carry on, <laughs> my yellow flag. And you know what, Ponchi? Yep. I've been thinking this week. Oh, God. What do I want to hit you with? 
And I thought that there was uh, two stories that I wanted to hit you with. But the one that I want to go this week is you blowing up your friend's family boat. <laughs> Johnny McCanch, one of your best childhood friends, has told me this. And I'm just going to give you the I think this is from Johnny Dawes. Johnny, Johnny Dawes. Do- Johnny, Johnny Dawes. Dawes I know right. this story. So do you want to lead me in or do you want me to just to go off I the I want cuff? to give you the floor. So... <laughs> We went for a bit of a camping trip with his uh, his father and her partner, and um, they've had his father's partner's uh, father has had this boat in their family. This it's an inflatable boat, by the way. I haven't used explosives. This is very very minor, um, but basically, uh, it's been a, a treasure of his apparently. So he's he's got a lot of care for it, um, and we went to go on the float down the river up in Echuca, and the thing was. I was just being a rat bag the whole time. I was about 10 years old and I was just being an idiot. And so specifically, the rule of the trip was just make sure this boat gets back in one piece. Like, it's been in the family it, for 20 years. Yeah. That's, the, that's the mail I mean, I mean, it's probably worth 20 bucks, but the emotional tickets that's Apparently, invested in this thing. It's, it's, it's the, the, it was the uncle or the grandpa had had it for like 20 years. Yes. So yeah. that's, that's the scene. Serious sentimental value. And so we get to inflating everything. And I'm just... Going at the midsection of this boat, you know, the little rib section in the yeah. middle of the inflatable, and I'm going hard. Like, yep, let's get this thing going. I'm pumped for the day, and I'm about to do this last pump. And mid pump, uh, Johnny's dad just shouts out, "Lucky no!" And you see this, poof, and this whole thing <laughs> explodes. And so the running gag was, I was blowing up the boat, but then I blew up the boat. <laughs> so. <laughs> And mate, I'm telling you, Johnny Dawes has got some absolutely invaluable mail for me. So you can prepare the anoose for yeah, the week. I'm nervous about that. Now, moving on, Moosey. You've wanted your segment. You've got your segment. What has caught Moose's eye? We're bringing it in. What he sees in the media. Moosey, tell us what it is. So, first of all... A good sting is important. So Yeah, production costs have gone up, so we will be putting some stings in. Cost, effort, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> so Ponchi's got his own sting, but so have I, guys. So if it is a good sting, oh sorry, if it is something that is an honorable mention that I yeah. want to say about the good people in our sport doing good things, this is the sting you will hear. Oh, this is special. This is special. Oh. And if it is a roast, then Moosey Boy will be giving you this sting. You can't be serious, man. You cannot be serious! <laughs> the classic Johnny McEnroe. Big Johnny McEnroe. And yeah. telling you, this week, it's Johnny McEnroe. Look it's out. a roast. Because I've heard about this bonking ban in the media this week, and I'm really, really not happy about it. <laughs> And the quote is, a report said that the AFL would not ban one-night stands, but a series of hookups would not be looked upon favorably. Now, where to start with this? Fire up, Moose. The AFL would not ban one-night stands. Hmm. Thanks, AFL. We really appreciate you not banning one-night stands. And how is this going to be policed? Is there going to be surveillance about around players' houses? Are they going to tap the players' phones? Is this how you're going to do it? Um, and the punishment, you're going to have a ban for bonking. So if you have a one-night stand, you're going to get a ban for it. Is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> that's, what it, that's what it says, Moosey. And hookups not looked upon favorably. Now, a series of hookups. Because for some people, for your Cameron Lings and your Damien Peverils, <laughs> this is a series of hookups could be three in a year. 
<laughs> All right, but for your Brett Deledios and your Andrew Swallows, your absolute roosters, young men in their primes, a series of hookups, we don't know what that looks like. And in this report, they cracked a joke saying that Shane Warne or Michael <laughs> Clark would have quit cricket if this ban was put in place. <laughs> so, but you can't be stopping these young... Look, in all seriousness, no. In all, in all seriousness, yeah. you know, being an AFL player, it is already quite intrusive to your personal life. Like, if you, if you get in trouble outside of footy, then you, it incurs a ban from playing or a ban from the club or something like that. And we do understand that there's a lot of sort of parameters that come with being a footballer. There's a lot of privileges. And at the same time, you have to have some sort of like a community uh, guidelines or whatever. Yeah. But for a young man to have, you know, them trying to put in place that they can't, like to get involved in their sex life? Yeah. It, I think it's just... It's, it's, it's definitely... Uh, it's very personal. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a hard one, obviously, with things that are going on in this day and age, but it is very intrusive for them to be... I think they're the only code that has come out and publicly said it. Now, it's, yeah. I, f- I feel like if anything, it's an unwritten rule, but to publicize it is another kind of thing. So, yeah. so please turn it up and you cannot <sighs> be serious, all right? Yes. Now... Another thing that we've seen in the media and we want to touch on is the crowd noise. Now, what we're going to play for you is what Channel 7 or one of the media outlets have put out. And it's the idea that they're going to put noise over the top of a game. So we'll put this on screen. It'll be what the first half will be the noise with the crowd. And then the same snippet will be just what you can hear naturally. No uh, artificial noise. So we'll get this going for you. Time for so Newman on the mark, as Abby told us, back out there. That is a good sign. Of not much go right for them tonight. Carlton, Lynch, scrappy old kick, but not a bad one, actually. And then Martin, oh, absolutely superb, and Revolt kicks his third. So that's that's obviously the noise component. And then that's with the crowd. Like sort of the yeah. So the next one will flick over. Time, Podnik. So Newman on the mark, as Abby told us, back out there. That is a good sign of... Not much go right for them tonight. Carlton, Lynch, scrappy old kick, but not a bad one, actually. And then Martin, oh, absolutely superb, and Revolt kicks his third. Right. And then that's natural. So what, what are your thoughts initially on that? I, I'm not for it myself. I mean, I'm open to it. I don't think it makes a huge difference, but I actually quite like that you can hear everything. Yeah. I mean, I, whenever I watch VFL games on TV, no offense to the VFL or anything, but... No, no, no. Know, you can hear quite a lot, and I, and I really raw. like that. And I think that it's kind of like a bit of a video game, and there's no authenticity to the crowd actually cheering. So for me, I'm not, I'm not a fan of it. I don't think it's necessary. Yeah, I, I think it gives a bit more vibe. And I think the thing I when I've watched this a couple of times is when Rewalt kicks the goal, and just hearing like a, a roar after a goal is kicked, that gets me excited. So that's the part of it that if they do it, I really want to get that. I want them to get that right. So the cheer at the end, like really, really have it lifted. But yeah, I, I'm probably sitting on the fence, which is a bit of a yeah. soft approach, but the, the cheering, I do enjoy it. So. Yeah. Absolutely, mate. Uh, all right. Here we are. Once best, again, best, best on. on. Yep. <laughs> Ponchi's baby. Now, Ponchi's got a sting, which he's pretty yes. wrapped with. And I would be too if I was you, mate. So here we go. Here is the best on sting for you. Palm Beach is a pillar of the fucking community. Lessons are learned. Trophies are <laughs> And we're in. So we've got the sting. Huge. We're lifting our uh, production. Uh, production. <laughs> it's going up notches each week. So this week, uh, we've, we've plugged this from the Mad Monday uh, page. Uh, unfortunately, I couldn't get any recon on 
who the bloke is, okay. what's happening. So we're going to watch this footage. Um, you haven't seen it once again. This is something that I bring to you uh, for the first time. And then we'll just dissect on what we see. So let's get this bad boy rolling. It's been fucking causing this all day and for the whole fucking year. You just stand back and fucking watch all right, and wait for somebody else to do it. You don't want to attack the ball. Alright, you use the ball is fucking terrible. Your inability to get back quickly. You stand and fucking spectate way too much. You don't want to get in fucking ball. Alright, this game is on the ballot. You can fucking still win this oh, yeah. if you want to. Fucking but the way you're fucking playing, you hand it to them week after week after week. Every week we do this, we get with them at three quarter time and then that's enough. Maricourt, fucking key. So what? You want to win a game of football? It's in your fucking hands, not mine. I can't fucking change it anymore. All right, stand up and be fucking counted like men. All right, instead of fucking hiding around like little fucking boys. You can't keep, oh, they're a young side, they're a young side. Stand up for your fucking self and be counted today. All right, have a fucking crack at them. I don't care what you fucking do to win this game. All right, I don't care who you have to hurt to win this game. But fucking go out there and fucking do it now. So what I've got out of that from watching it a couple of times is they're down at three quarter time, and this is not this is a regular occurrence. Um, and the thing I got the most out of it was he says at the end that they're a young team. I don't care if you have to belt a bloke, do something. He's, there was no strategical tactics in that. There was no instruction. It was go out there and fucking belt them. I got from him. That, that hurts. That yeah. hurts to hear because we've yeah. all been on the end of one of those oh, from a yeah. coach before. And, mate, those boys, they must be absolutely having the worst year <laughs> because he looks like he is at the end of his tether. Yeah, and I think another thing as well is the fact that he's saying they're, uh, you can't use the excuse they're a young team. Well, normally the older team, the more experienced team, gets the job done. So, I don't know what's going on there. I think, uh, oh, yeah, there's, poor blokes, there's a lack of confidence. We love that. Well yeah. done, Ponchi, because that, that is a serious spray. Yeah. Most of the time, they're funny. That, that one was a spray. Yeah. Between the ears. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I'm glad that's another best on. So, once again, guys, if you have any videos, anything like this, if it's a pep up, yeah. Or even if it's a spray, just send her in and uh, we'll, we'll keep building this as we yeah, go. Yeah, absolutely. And if you send it in and uh, Ponchi gets onto it, then you'll be best on next week, all right? And you'll get your canteen voucher. So, Zachy Merritt. Massive. Moosey. Give been, it the pump up it, it deserves. Mate, it's been an unbelievable interview. I really loved it. Uh, we had 20 minutes with the great man and I got a lot from it. And the thing that I got from it was that as an AFL player, it's obviously must be very easy to become complacent and to, you know, really rest on your laurels and not to really think deeper and, you know, look look outside of footy. But Zach is a very intuitive person who thinks very deeply uh, about life and Absolutely. about um, what he really believes in, what's really important to him. And he stands up for that, which I love. And he's had an amazing upbringing. His family are full of cool people. And like, I just got a lot from this interview and I really do think that, um, you know, his, uh, his values really shine through. Absolutely. And I'm just looking forward to showing the bloke that I met when in 2013, we did our under 18 year together and just seeing how much he's grown and he's grown significantly um, on field and off field. So I'm really looking forward for you guys to watching this next uh, 20 minutes with Zaki. Beautiful. Well, guys, without further ado, please enjoy the interview. Ponchi, how'd you get Zach Merritt on the show? Oh, I'm nervous, mate. Don't be nervous, Moosey. He's a great bloke. Yeah, I'm wrapped, mate, but 
You haven't showed him any of the photos of 15-year-old Moose, have you? No, Moosey. We've kept it strictly professional. Oh, I just want to make a good impression, you know. <laughs> Snap out of it, Moosey. Just be yourself and he'll like you. All right, guys. Moosey just wants to make a good impression and we want to do the same for you. So if you like what you've heard, please go to our website, www.hellogameday.co and subscribe. All right, Moosey, fire up. Oh, I'm fired up, Punchy. All right. Now we have Zachy Merritt here and I'm very pumped to have him on the Hello Game Day podcast. So a bit of an intro to the big boy. He is a Melbourne Grammar boy. He went through the Sandringham Dragons to the TAC uh, and Vic Country. He was then picked 26 to Essendon, where he spent six seasons there. And in his six seasons, he has been scintillating. So 2017 All-Australian, two-time best and fairest winner. And a stat that people don't actually know, he's had three consecutive years, over 650 disposals, and he has the highest three disposal years for the club. So, Zachy, welcome to the show, mate, and give us a hello game day. Hello game day. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much, mate. We appreciate it. Now, I'll start off with a little intro on how I know you quickly. So we did the under 18 uh, year together at Sandringham Dragons. So we spent that time together. And a funny one that I actually recently remembered was myself, yourself and uh, Tommy Langdon were roommates for the four days at the, uh, the draft combine there. Dangerous. Which was a, it was a, it was a hot room. The boys were going off. No, <laughs> very, very tame. <laughs> Um, and another story I wanted to quickly share with you was, um, after you got drafted in, uh, the, f- the first season in 2014, we both found ourselves at the MCG. Now you were doing what you love. <laughs> I was doing something that was paying the bills at $17 an hour. So I was working as a barista and I was happy to see one of my, one of the boys, uh, run out for their first, uh, one of their first earlier games of the season. And, you guys were running out for the warm-up. I was setting up my coffee stand and this was pre-game. So there wasn't many crowds there. I saw you down uh, and the boys were running out for the change room for the pre-game. And I've come bolting down the stairs of the MCG and I've shouted out to you and I've just got your attention and you were good enough to come over and uh, get a photo with me on the, the, the boundary line. So we'll, we'll flick that photo up to the screen now. This is uh, turning the clock back about six years. So if you can see that. <laughs> yeah, he's a so, very young face there. Yeah, uh, the moose, uh, the moustache is uh, looking very. I don't rough. know what is going on with that <laughs> half baked caterpillar. Above. <laughs> so, this is how we. Uh, this is how I know you, Zachy, and I really appreciate you uh, coming on the show. Yeah, and also, mate, um, you know, you're a gun footballer. We know that, but can you confirm that you were actually given a scholarship to Melbourne Grammar for cricket? Yeah, it was, uh, it was a weird sort of couple of months. I remember pretty clearly, uh, I think I was in year nine at the time, um, in, in Cobden back at my, my family's uh, home in, in uh, rural Victoria and, and was pretty keen to, to explore options sort of in the city um, to sort of follow a passion with cricket and then landed a few interviews and, and tried to uh, buy for a few schools. Uh, I think it was, it was Melbourne Grammar, Geelong Grammar, um, I think maybe Scotch and a couple others we, we tried out for and then um, ultimately came down to Melbourne Grammar to, to get there purely for, for cricket, but then also to get a great education, something that I was, was thirsty for and um, to try and get some more opportunities that would follow that as well. That's amazing. So cricket was obviously your first love. And at what point did you sort of realise that maybe football might be the path that you want to take? 
Um, yeah, it was sort of, it was actually, I can remember sort of the moment. I, I was in the boarding house and um, I think I'd played sort of 35 or 36 games of cricket and days of cricket um, from sort of December to the end of January. And I remember pretty clearly reflecting on those two months and I was worn out and tired and um, sort of just over cricket um, at the time. Um, I remember all my mates had been to the beach and had a lot of fun through that period of time. So um, I sort of, yeah, I sort of reflected during that that couple of months and um, my brother had just previously been drafted sort of a couple of months earlier to Essendon as well. So it sort of sparked, I guess, a bit of hope. And um, yeah, I guess that's when I sort of turned my attention more so to footy and sort of enjoyed year 11 footy at school. Um, just with my mates and then played a little bit of senior footy back home in Cobden uh, against some some men and then that sort of, I guess, reignited a bit of fire around footy and sort of put cricket to the bit of the backbone for the, for the moment. Lovely, mate. And with that, so you've obviously ended up at Melbourne Grammar and how has that led to you ending up living with the Hayes family and them kind of looking after you? Yeah, it was, that's actually a pretty good story as well. I, I got to grammar, very nervous, um, sat in the front row of the classes trying to make a good impression and um, trying to take it as much as I could. And I remember day one running into uh, a kid named James Hayes and um, through that class, him and a few of our, our now mates um, were calling races as a bit of fun. And then the class that followed that, um, I assumed it was James that walked in the class, but it was Will. I didn't know there was Flint at the time. Um, so for two weeks, uh, I was referring to him as Hazy and was getting some different responses from each one, thinking that it was the same person. So um, two, yeah, two weeks in, I realised they were twins and um, from there blossomed a, a really good friendship. And um, yeah, I guess I, I was there probably two or three nights a week there through year 11 and 12. So very fortunate the Hayes family who really looked after me. Yeah, they're awesome boys. And I was lucky enough to kind of know them through Sandringham Dragons as well. And another thing we want to touch on, which was pretty awesome, is obviously your debut and Will was there. And we'll put the the photo up on the final edit. Um, But five years down the track, Will's followed his passion for footy with the Bulldogs. And fortunately, last year, you guys actually got to come up against each other. So what was that like as one of your best mates to then end up on the biggest stage? Yeah, it was, it was a strange feeling. Um, I remember my draft night, uh, the nerves, Will, Will said he was more nervous than I was. Him and JD were more nervous than I was. And um, I think it was around exams time. So I think they were asking for an exemption because I was so nervous for my draft coming up. Um, so fast forward five years later, I guess I got to experience it from the other angle. And um, I remember draft day, uh, I think it was during the day and I was, I was at the club training. Um, got off the track and obviously quickly looked through who'd been drafted. It wasn't Will just yet. Um, and obviously hopeful the dog's going to take him. And then um, I kept ducking off out of my weight session to check my phone um, <laughs> yeah. to see who was going in the draft, which my weights coach was getting a bit annoyed at. But uh, yeah, to see his name pop up for the dogs, the last pick was, was super exciting. Um, then we, we looked quickly towards the fixture and when we're going to play each other, which was which was deep in the year, which we both thought was going to give him a chance to sort of establish himself um, in yeah. the preseason and through early games. So, um, when we did match up against each other, I think we were down by 80 points at the time, which didn't help. But uh, <laughs> no, it was, a spe- it was a special feeling and something I think we'll reflect on um, later. But yeah, it was just cool to be out there and um, have a bit of bounce after the game. Yeah, absolutely, mate. And for me, uh, I was overseas when that happened and I, I did the same thing. I realised that he was playing that game and I was hopeful that there would be a contest. And the photo was just awesome, mate. So I'm sure it's a very, really special moment for yourself and for him. And obviously... Uh, touching on playing footy with your brother as well. That must be a pretty like exciting thing to be able to do and run out uh, at, the, at the biggest stage. 
Yeah, that was that was really special. I think for obviously for ourselves, but I think more importantly for mum and dad and our, our family and, and friends from home. Um, growing up, we were sort of just uh, far enough apart that we never got to play together. Um, with the, the way the under under fourteen sixteen system works, we sort of just missed each other the whole way through. So I think we played one game together before our second game was at AFL level. So um, yeah, I mean the guidance he gave me from day one when I moved in with him, basically when I got drafted. Um, through the six years that we had together or five years we had together um it was just enormous he um yeah it was someone that i asked a lot of probably annoying questions to him earlier but he guided me through that that period at the start and um yeah i think he's just so happy to, to see me succeed and vice versa that it worked well together um it was sort of a healthy competition but definitely someone that was there to support me so um to run out together i think there's about 45 or 46 times um in That's AFL, nice. not many brothers obviously get to do that. So, um, yeah, we've got some special moments that we shared and some pre-game kicks that we shared as well that will be good to look back on as well. That's awesome, mate. Obviously, family is very important to you. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what it was like growing up in Cobden? Yeah, it was quite, uh, it was quite simple. It was quite um, enjoyable. I think I, I was fortunate to have uh, four of my grandparents within walking distance from my family home. Um, it was a very tight-knit community. There's only 1,500 people in the whole town. So it was it was basically revolved around the footy club was the heart and soul of the, of the town. And um, I guess everyone literally knew everyone um, across the town. So, um, yeah, it was just a very caring community. It was it was footy in winter and cricket in summer. Um, get to school to play sport and see your mates and go home. Um, and weekends would typically fill with sport or going to mates' farms, go shooting or motorbikes or chasing cows around. So, um, yeah, it was, it was a really fun fun upbringing and something that I think has allowed me to be to really humble and down to earth and just enjoy and be grateful for the opportunities I've been given um, for all the sacrifice I guess mum and dad and, and my family at home made to allow me to, to chase my goals. Yeah, beautiful, mate. And you, you, yourself and your brother obviously made it to AFL lists, which is an awesome thing. But your mum is also has an amazing story. And if you would care to touch on that a little bit, yeah, it's uh, I guess something growing up, I didn't actually realise what was what was going on. I think um, you know, she's had it MS for 26, 27 years now. Um, but growing up, I think you just see it as normal. She made sure that she was super stubborn and uh, didn't allow my brother or I to, to realise anything was up. So um, probably until I was 12 or 13, I didn't actually realise there was anything wrong with mum until she sort of started to needing more support with frames and uh, walking sticks and that sort of stuff. So um yeah, I guess I get after the fair bit and, and it does provide motivation and inspiration, I guess, seeing what she's gone through and the pain that she deals with. But um, yeah, I think for her, she just wanted to give my brother and I a normal upbringing as possible. So um, yeah, something looking back, I don't have many memories that uh, early days that I realised what was going on until I got older. Awesome, mate. And obviously another topic we want to touch on is standing up for gender equality. And you came out last year and you wrote a piece and this is another thing, an article I read while I was over in Canada. Mate, it was a really moving piece and I'd just like to kind of give you the floor on uh, how that all evolved and kind of the rest of that with that topic. Yeah, I, I guess, uh, uh, so stepping back a bit, it was it's sort of something, um, you, know, you obviously grow a bit of a brand as a footballer and you grow a bit of um, notoriety in society. It's sort of how do you, how do you use that um, and not abuse it? And, um, yeah, I guess I've been searching for something to sort of, sort of stick my neck out a little bit. Um, I hadn't really found anything yet and then, the Taylor Harris situation sort of popped up. It was obviously a hot topic around the country and especially in footy clubs at that time. And, and I just reflected, as I said in the piece, about, I guess, my experiences with it. Um, in the country town, potentially there's more girls trying it because it was just what you did. Um, 
with those two girls in particular that I played with, but it was more around also the mums and the sisters that I guess didn't get the opportunity to play or try things because they were forced into their canteen or um, to do things that were seen as female um, tasks at the time. So, um, yeah, I guess on that reflection, I happened to actually come across a, a piece that Corey Corbett wrote in the uh, NBA about, I think it was about Black Ameri- African-Americans and the impact they've had in NBA. And, um, yeah, I guess I see an opportunity and uh, hit up Tom Morris from um, Fox Sports um, to collaborate with and he helped me through the piece. And, um, you know, we tried to make sure that it was semi-fair, but also pretty strongly opinionated to what I thought. And um, I thought you reflected that really well. Yeah, it was beautifully written, mate. So we really do uh, appreciate you giving us the insight on that as well. And just wondering what kind of response you got from that, mate. Yeah, it was it was overwhelmingly positive. Um, you know, obviously you get pretty immediate feedback through social media these days, through text messages, yeah. calls, through the paper, everything like that. So it was immediate and uh, for the most part, it was very positive. Um, a lot of girls obviously spoke out that they were really happy and um, just happy that they had some sort of voice within the male game, um, which was great that they were, they were happy for that. Um, but I think it's an evolving thing and um, hopefully through this period that women's footy will hopefully bounce out a bit stronger and um, keep getting the resources and funding that it needs to keep trying to grow. Definitely, definitely. And moving forward, obviously, the, as you said, the AFLW system is something that's continuously evolving. So how would you like to be involved in that moving forward? Yeah, I went down to Essence, obviously only got the VFL women's for now, but I went down to a training session um, just to see how, I guess, the processes were similar or different to the AFL program. And um, I was quite surprised at how uh, evolved it really was. I think we're, we're very fortunate and I think the women's game is very fortunate to have a lot of great coaches and people that have a great amount of patience and ability to teach the girls the basic principles and then develop on that. So, um, yeah, I was very surprised at how, how far ahead those girls were considering that was that was a VFL women's and obviously AFL women's is, is a step up again. So, um, yeah, I was quite pleased to see how how much they are evolving. I think if I can be involved in helping um, teach skills at some point in time and then obviously be a bit more involved in terms of the admin side as well, I think that'd be something that I'd enjoy and hopefully we'll pass on a fair bit of knowledge to the women and the girls to hopefully keep continuing to grow. Yeah, cool. And obviously, you know, footy takes up a lot of your time and energy, but other avenues outside of football is also important too. So what else are you sort of exploring outside of football? Uh, yeah, I've, I've uh, looked at a lot. Of, I've done a fair bit of study at the moment for the first few years as well. Um, done a fair bit of a uh, few business ventures on the side that are trying to keep me, me engaged and busy. Uh, I guess I've tried to do things that align with sort of the way I want to live my life and what I'm passionate about. So, um, yeah, that's, that's stuff that's been really enjoyable. And then I've done a fair bit of uh, work with MS uh, as an ambassador um, and looking at a stronger partnership now to try and get some, some healthy food and packaged food out to MS sufferers and their families um, who need the support, especially during this period of time. Um, so obviously with that as well was, I think it was 2017, you're involved with the MS uh, Walk Fun Run? Yeah, I've tried to, to get there most most years since yeah, probably 16, I think I've tried to get there. Um, sort of a hard hard one. You obviously got to try and raise money for, for those charities and raise awareness as much as you can in such a competing market at the moment with social media. Um, everyone sort of has a voice, which is great, but it can be hard to, to really hone in and get that funding you need to support those um, operations. So, uh, yeah, I've tried to get there and promote it as much as I can. At the moment, I'm working on um, some operations, I guess, more so to get out to families and engage with them and, and speak to them about their stories and just be curious to help them along the way. Um, but yeah, the funding is obviously super important and 
Nike was great to uh, support me through 20, I think it was 2016 or 17, where we raised 20 grand um, through through some supporters and footy boots that Joe Danaher, um, Brendan Goddard and I wore against the Kilda one night, um, which was great. Great amount of money that went towards some camps for some kids um, with parents suffering from MS. So, um, yeah, it's been a pretty worthy cause. That's awesome. Lovely, mate. And thank you so much for sharing that with us. We really appreciate you uh, delving a bit deeper into your personal life. But we've got to ask you, mate, how are you going? How are you tracking? How's the team tracking? And how are you feeling about the footy season potentially returning soon? Yeah, I think at the end of uh, when the COVID was coming, I think everyone was sort of just wanting an answer when, when they were going to be sent away or because it was sort of inevitable at the time. So I think everyone was almost refreshed or feels refreshed now because they've sort of been given a bit more clarity. Um, everyone's gone away and been able to train. I got to, to train pretty hard through that period. Um, so I think most boys will come back pretty fresh and, and fit and ready to go. Um, probably the one that's going to be interesting will be obviously the contact going from sort of eight, nine weeks of no real contact to playing games in two weeks is going to be interesting, I guess, for everyone, but everyone's in the same boat. So, um, yeah, I think overall, I mean, they're just excited that um, I think we've got most of our boys back on the track now, training fully, ready to play. Um, and with uh, Carousel coming in this year, I think he's going to add another level, another layer of our, our game plan, which is really exciting. And, um, yeah, so we're just keen to get back into some games. Yeah, man, I think I can speak for all footy fans when I say we are itching to have you boys back. So... Mate, I'm really excited to kind of just hopefully seeing AFL at the uh, highest level back. Hopefully June 11th, I think it's yep. uh, going to be back. But, um, mate, we've really appreciated your time. Uh, it's been really awesome. So I'd like to thank you very much. Just before you go, mate, I wanted to wrap it up with um, you've, you've had a, some, a great story, a great life story. Um, and also you're playing some amazing football. How, what is the most important virtues and values that have led you to be able to get to the place where you are today? Yeah, I always bring it back to, uh, I've done a fair bit of work around personal philosophies and um, you know, my, my mission statement values and stuff. And for me, everything comes back to just keep striving towards improving and um, that underlying uh, ability to be super curious and continue to learn. Um, that's something I wake up and drives me daily to keep improving in all areas of my life. And um, footy just happens to be a clear priority at the moment uh, in my life. But um, there's also other things that I'm certainly putting a lot of energy into and um, trying to upskill and learn as much as I can as quickly as I can I suppose so but I am ready for, for post footy and um, have equal amount of energy excitement for post footy as I do right now so uh, yeah I think it's just an underlying passion to keep improving and, and trying to learn from everyone and, and learning from their stories as well that's amazing mate thank you so much we really do appreciate your time today Zach yeah cheers me boy I really appreciate it good to see you again mate <laughs> thanks boys have a good day cheers good on you mate thank you cheers So that was our interview with Zach Merritt and we had such an awesome time. I hope everybody really enjoys it. And if you are listening to this right now, we'd just like to say on behalf of myself, Ponch and EJ, we'd like to say thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for the support. Uh, we're really having a great time with this and we're working hard to bring you guys the best content we possibly can. So if you could leave us a comment, leave us a review, hit us up, let us know what you think. If there's something that you'd like to see, if there's a guest that you'd like to see or anything like that, just let us know. Any sort of form of communication is really, really valued. So on behalf of everybody here, I've been the Moose. I've been the Ponch. And next time when you tune in, bring a mate. Thank you for tuning in to the Hello Game Day podcast. If you're listening right now, that means you've made it to the end of the episode and maybe even enjoyed what you've heard. 
If so, you can join us on all major social media platforms as well as audio podcasting platforms and YouTube. Or just head on over to our website at www.hellogameday.co and hit subscribe to join our mailing list where you can receive weekly updates on the podcast. We'd like to give a massive thank you to our producer, Ethan Curtin. Find him on Instagram at Room10Company, as well as Equal Tech, who have given us an office space to work in. And our beautiful graphic design is done by Chev at Graphic Design. He's been the punch. He's been the moose. And next time you drop in, bring a mate.